Hey everyone, welcome back to Ideas Without Borders. I'm Maisha and today I'm bringing to you another episode for the series on media narratives and systemic discrimination. This episode is going to cover the South Asian perspective and I have two amazing guests here to discuss it with me today. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Hi everyone, so I'm Sandra Davis and I'm a second generation immigrant from South India and I'm also a first year student at Waterloo studying systems design engineering. And one cool fact about me, I guess, is that I really like to watch and play video games. Hi everyone, my name is Amila Huck and I am a Canadian Bangladeshi. I am currently a fourth year chemical engineering student at the University of Waterloo. And a fun fact about me is that I am the firstborn from both sides of my family to be born outside of the homeland. Wow, thank you for introducing yourselves, guys. Just a side note, I too am a South Asian woman, so I'll participate a bit more in this conversation as well. So let's jump right into it. How do you guys think the media represents you and how do you think it should be filtered or interpreted? Well, I think right now, I mean, in Western media, first of all, there isn't a lot of representation of brown-skinned people. But then even when there is, they kind of have two distinct characters specifically for brown-skinned women. So there is this light-skinned character who is usually the pretty one, the shy one. She takes on more of the stereotypically feminine role where she's very timid and seen as kind of fragile and someone who's desired by the male leads in the media. But then there's also on the other side, the dark-skinned character. And really they don't have much of a prominent role they're very much a supporting character and they take on more of a comedic role where they're kind of more vibrant and rambunctious and there's not really much character development in those characters but they're mainly just there to kind of play a supporting role and yet to kind of add on to that we can think of a lot of films and shows like Benda like Beckham New Girl Mindy Project uh, even Quantico there's always either a white counterpart to uplift these characters you don't have just a single brown person or a brown person with another brown person to kind of strengthen their character. They need some sort of substance with having a Caucasian counterpart to let their characters come to life. Like with New Girl, Cece is nothing without Schmidt. Quantico, Priyanka's character is both half brown and half white. It's tough to see that type of representation of us especially when the storyline might not actually be authentic in a sense that it's not a story you would see characterizing a brown girl or a brown guy in real life. The shows that you see in the media that have South Asian characters are not always representative of the actual things that are going on in a Mm -hmm. South Asian person's life. And I think that needs to be acknowledged a little more because should someone not know a South Asian person, they might think this is how they are and this is how we are or we live. And that's not always the case, right? Just from a cultural and a value and belief perspective, there's a vast diaspora of different kinds of South Asian people. And this one dimensional view of a brown girl or brown guy is, it can be really harmful because you're now grouping an entire subcontinent of people into this one character or these few characters, right? And that can be so harmful because as you can see here today, all three of us are pretty different. I mean, yeah, the stereotype that I fall into most of the time that people think I'm 
Sri Lankan and Hindu, they just automatically assume that because of what I look like. But really, I'm South Indian and I'm a Christian. And that's something that I push back on a lot because people just assume. And sometimes it's not even like they say anything about it, but they assume it. And so when you're talking in regular conversation, they'll say things that they think you would automatically relate to, but you have no idea where it's coming from. And then you realize, oh, it's because they think I'm from here and they think that I'm like this, but it's not like that at all sometimes. Mm -hmm. Could you, would you mind being a little bit more specific with an example of something? For example, when, for my personality, I think I kind of fit into a certain stereotype that's constantly projected where the dark-skinned brown girl is kind of more outgoing and extroverted and loud and rambunctious. And so when there are shows like The Mindy Project, where she does take on that kind of personality and she's kind of a big role model or a big part of what people see brown people are like, and then when your personality kind of fits into that stereotype, it doesn't help other people see diversity. because just for the pure coincidence that I am something like that, they think that all people are like that because they see this example of someone who's similar to a big person in media. But really, it's just coincidence. And you can't assume that just because someone has similar personalities makes them all the same. And just to quickly add on to that, I think when it comes to representing South Asians or brown people in general, there's two spectrums. There is the one spectrum where we have the thick accent and we fall into all those typical stereotypes. Like we could think of Apu from The Simpsons or Baljeet from Phineas and Ferb. And then there's the other opposite spectrum, which I've actually recently learned the terminology called coconut, where it's like- I've actually like, been called that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> where you're brown on the outside, but white on the inside. And it's always like, these two are the spectrum of brown people. There's so much more in between. Yeah, 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 I totally get that. And also, just to reiterate exactly what people mean when they call someone a coconut, in most scenarios, it's just about how you've lost your culture, if you lost touch with your heritage in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a lot of experience being called a coconut because, specifically because I'm Christian, because a lot of people see that as a Western or a white religion and that's not just yeah that's just wrong yeah it's it shouldn't be like that at all it's not like one ethnicity can have only one religion and such like that a lot of people automatically assume that because my name is Sandra Davis that oh you just look brown but really you're white no that's just the Christian side of who I am and that's not making me less brown or more white that's just what I believe and that's my faith So what do you think the media should be showing instead? I think the media needs to start showing more diverse representation to showcase the different types of brown, the different types of stories that we have. We're always kind of boxed into this narrative of brown people are all about arranged marriage, which is a forced marriage. And they think that's like the plot to almost every single one of our lives. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's so much more. Our parents have had their own struggles. There's so much history to who we are and that's not captured. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, the only kinds of 
media where brown people are consistently represented is pretty much in Bollywood. And a lot of those stories have typical plot lines of, you know, the girl has to be forced to be arranged marriage to this guy, but really she loves someone else. And there's like a big scene about all of this. And that's the whole plot of the movie. But people have to realize that arranged marriage isn't how it used to be, at least, because, yeah, there was a point where a lot of people would be forced into marriages, but that's not how it is now, and that's not really a good representation of our culture. Yeah, especially as times progress, things have changed and people have learned, and every single culture has a historical past where, you know, something they did, they weren't so proud of, right? But it's not something that should be consistently and constantly pushed to the forefront, Because now more than ever, what I see with arranged marriages with my cousins or any of my close family or friends, it's it's more of a matchmaking process. You know, Mm -hmm. like you try to find someone that's a good match, you talk about it, get to know each other. If it doesn't work out, okay, next person, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's very much like online dating. It's more vetted because everyone is involved, your family's involved, you know? And when we were talking about the differences in values and how a more of that should be represented in the media, how we're a wide variety of people. An example I can think of that's been good, I think, is Hassan Minhaj. If you've seen the show Patriot Act, it's kind of like John Oliver's show, but it's, it's a little different, a little more interactive, I would say. He's a good example just because he's an Indian Muslim and he's already going against the narrative of all Indians might be Hindus, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a little important to note because we're all not of the same faith, right? There's a lot of faiths throughout the entire subcontinent of South Asia. Mm -hmm. And each individual South Asian culture, it's fun to learn. There's obviously differences in food, differences in tradition, differences in backstory and history, even our language. Like none of us speak the same language. Everybody just assumes that, oh, we speak Hindi, but that's not even true. There's Mm -hmm. just so much more to us, but we're just boxed in these media representations. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially because of increased globalization now and a larger immigrant population in general, that we should try to learn more about one another in an accurate way. And I think media can play a huge role in that positively if they do the right research, you know, get the right people to be the storytellers, so on and so forth. So it might take some time. And maybe it's difficult at first to find the right people, but it's totally worth it in the end, you know? Yeah, for sure. Also, just to kind of add to this, many Western filmmakers are actually deterred from doing films with brown people because we're too ethnic for them to come up with a backstory. And that's why they don't want to portray our stories in the big picture because Mm -hmm. it's too much, but there's Bollywood. They can share a story without having to give us some, a lot of background information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a part of that might be just because they might not know a lot of South Asians. And so it might be hard for them to pull those stories, you know? They definitely get away with the fact that they kind of take on the role that, oh, well, it's not our story to tell and it's not our job to, for Western filmmakers at least, it's not our job to put those stories forward. But if you're not going to do it, you know, 
these are the parts where we need that kind of representation. It's in Western culture. Mm -hmm. Especially with the rise of globalization and increased immigration and our population being more prevalent in the West, I think these stories need to be told because media representation is so important. And we all know that we need to be able to see role models for us to take after, right? So that's for sure. And I think Bollywood itself is an interesting thing to talk about as well, because the whole colorism in the South Asian community is really highlighted there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know personally that there is a lot of bias just within brown communities. I mean, being judgmental and being gossipy is such a big part of the culture. Yeah, I feel like Amila can attest to that. And so can I, we've all heard that really gossipy auntie or whoever it might be spreading something that's not very productive or nice about someone else. And I think that can be really detrimental and harmful as well to people's mental health and community cultures. And when it comes to Bollywood, if we think about who the main actresses are always and what they look like compared to the supporting actresses or actors, you can just see the big difference right there, right? Yep, it's always a fairer, a more Eurocentric beauty that is a central point in these Bollywood mm -hmm. films. And people that are actually the more common looking type of brown people that exists in these countries, we are not represented in these films. Mm -hmm. We are side characters, funny characters, anything but the main person. I, the biggest person I could think of is Ashwarya Rai. Mm -hmm. I think maybe you'll find someone who looks like her on the very, very rare occasion, yet she is what people think is how Indians look like. Yeah. Yeah. When it's, that's far from the truth. We both know the person or the type of brown girl that's cast for a main role in a film is always the odd one out in real life. When I say the odd one out, I don't mean outcasted in any way. I just mean that they don't look like what the average brown girl looks like, right? And I think that's important to note because then how you see the story and how it's interpreted is changed. And I think just segueing off of that, there are so many things that we do in our daily life that might help push back on these narratives. We might be doing it subconsciously or consciously, and I think this podcast episode is a part of that. So why don't you share with me some of the things that you might be doing? Well, for me personally, I find it really hard to kind of take on that role every single day to push back on stereotypical narratives. I mean, for me, my personality plays into the stereotype of being kind of a louder character, being more outgoing and more extroverted, more comedic. And it's really difficult to push back on those stereotypes when you are playing, your personality itself plays into the stereotype that people already assume you are. And so if I be myself, then people are like, oh, I made the assumption that you were gonna be like that and that's exactly how you are. It's really difficult to both be myself and push back on these stereotypical narratives. But mm -hmm. I mean, generally people to a certain degree hold back when they meet new people, when they are in new environments, they tend to hold back. But I find myself, it's so difficult to just be yourself that I have to kind of extra accommodate for that just so that I don't give other people the satisfaction of encouraging them to think that way and kind of 
give them a run for their money think this is not how all brown people are just because you see one person like this and even if that is a stereotype that you think is true it's not the first thing you should assume and you should wait before you make those kinds of assumptions yeah and i think that it's so unfortunate that it's hard for you to be yourself and how that might play into an identity crisis even sometimes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> So I think the way media has been representing us so far has made it hard for some of us to just be ourselves. Yeah, exactly. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, there's another there's another aspect of this where I do go outside of the stereotype where people assume, you know, Sri Lankan and Hindu for dark-skinned brown people, that's just the narrative that they have always known. And it's something that I've been played into so much. But in my daily life, to push back on that kind of narrative is something that I can do because I'm Indian and I'm Christian. And those are not things that people automatically assume. They don't think that at all. And when I do explain to them, they just automatically say, oh, you're Hindu. So you also speak Hindi. You do all this, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, "Um, actually, I'm Tamil and I am from India and I'm Christian. And that in itself, just explaining who I am, pushes back on that narrative. And to kind of add on to that, it's also important to surround yourself with people who want to listen to you, who want to get to know you for being different and always, and make sure that they have an open mind. I think that's one of the biggest things that I have tried to do in my life to push back on these narratives. I've met people from almost every walk of life and I just always stick to who I am. And if it's something that doesn't really sit well with them or something that's totally new to them. I'm always open to explaining myself and giving them the chance to get to know what's normal for me and what might not be normal for them. Mm -hmm. I think a small example I can think of is when I started university, I moved into my dorms and one of the first strangest thing for them, but normal for me was I just started eating with my hands. And I'll be, I'd have food from home, even though we'd have like residence food or whatnot. And I will not eat that with cutlery because that's just not normal for me. But obviously all eyes flew and they're like, what is she doing? But then I have to explain myself. And I was surrounded by people who weren't judging me. They were just genuinely curious. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fun sometimes to talk. And it's things that also as someone who is of, a different background for me to realize that what I've been doing is not normal to others. It's fun to take interest as to why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah, it's pretty cool how just by being ourselves, we're, we're serving as a way for others to get educated just by knowing us, learn a little bit more about our cultures and a little bit more about the history, if they're open to talk about that. And is there anything else that you guys would like to mention that we haven't already talked about? I think above all, it's important to always be kind to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Currently, we are in a bit of a pandemic situation and we did have some situations where there was some finger pointing towards a certain group of people. And I think that's, I don't think that's absolutely wrong. 
kindness goes a really long way. Always have an open mind and always try to learn more. I think those are very important points to always, always think of. Agreed. Yeah, and that isn't just applicable to, you know, to Western people, but being kind to everyone doesn't just apply to people who are different than you, but also to people who are the same as you. So within your own communities, within those brown communities, kindness still goes a long way. And it's not because, oh, we're the same. We have some kind of exclusive treatment towards each other. The same respect and kindness should always be shown, you know? I agree, especially within the South Asian community. It's really easy to nitpick on small differences and exacerbate them beyond what's necessary. And so approaching others with kindness, even just having these conversations with kindness might help other people be more receptive to your culture, to your values, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having this conversation with me. It was so insightful. And thanks for bringing to the forefront all of these implicit biases we might have and might think is the norm just because we see it on TV or in the media. Thank you for having us. Yes, it was an thank honor you. to speak, to have a platform to speak. I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. Yeah, I agree. Now on to a bit of a debrief and an analysis of what Amila, Sandra, and I talked about. I was speaking to another one of my South Asian friends about everything I discussed with Sandra and Amila, and she had quite a few things to say that we didn't discuss in depth during that conversation. And so I thought I'd share with you all so that we all become a little bit more conscious and aware of the media we consume every day. As we've already discussed, there are many generalizations promoted by media painting South Asian people a certain way, but I think what sometimes people don't realize is the very subtle negative rhetoric present about South Asian cultures as a whole. You know, when we're talking about things like arranged marriage and how they're portrayed as oppressive and maybe even primitive, that's not really true. And that's not the case in modern South Asia today. Portraying this aspect of South Asian culture in such a negative light creates this idea that South Asian cultures as a whole are too old fashioned or archaic in some way, shape or form, which pushes the Western cultural narrative to be one which is more progressive and free. And, you know, when you think about this, it seems to me like a very subtle underlying system of racist power plays promoted because it gets views or for another reason that benefits a certain party. And I mean, on an individual level, media's current representation affects South Asian Canadians and Americans in their daily lives as well, which Sandra and Amila both discussed. And so when you grow up seeing people who look like you represented only as the nerdy brown IT guy, or the loud brown girl, or that exotic beauty that for some reason needs to be uplifted by another character, it can have a huge not so positive impact on your self-esteem. And then it becomes really difficult to accept yourself and your own cultural identity as well, right? South Asian guys are still oftentimes being ridiculed and deemed undesirable because of these stereotypes. And then there is the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you have South Asian women being hypersexualized in media, which can also be detrimental. The other thing we need to keep in mind is that these misrepresentations are harmful to people outside of the South Asian community as well. South Asians in media are often seen as hardworking immigrants, which feeds into this model minority myth used to make a faulty comparison 
between a group that is believed to be socioeconomically prosperous due to their hard work, you know, and that's not even true. South Asian Americans and Canadians span across all levels and quite a few subcultures as well. And when you compare them to another group, usually, you know, African Americans, in attempt to, you know, prove that the other is simply not working hard enough to gain that higher socioeconomic standing, that's just wrong. This, this comparison simply cannot be made because of the very significant differences in systemic or institutionalized racism and discrimination faced by African-Americans, which South Asians do not experience. And trying to make such a comparison between these two different groups of POC is oftentimes an avenue used to avoid acknowledging systems of oppression currently prevalent in society, which are the actual cause. And as Sandra and Amila mentioned, the next step is to call these stereotypes out. Now question why they exist when you see systems of racism or like certain you know nuances or things that don't make sense you know we as being a part of that demographic understand that it is misrepresentative and inaccurate but you know that's not something someone who has never met a south asian person in their life would know right because all they see is what they see on tv and the internet and so it's incumbent upon us as people who are misrepresented to demand that our stories be told authentically and try our best to promote creators who are trying to tell these richer stories and get them elevated. And, you know, maybe that doesn't work out and, you know, you'll have to take things into your own hands and tell the stories yourselves. And this goes for all under misrepresented groups. And I know this sounds really tiring and not everyone has the platform or the know-how to do these things. And so I think the most important takeaway is something Amila said earlier, and that's to just be yourself in spaces where you are not the majority. I honestly think this allows everyone involved in these interactions to gain some perspective and learn something new. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode. Awesome. Stay tuned for the next episode in this series on media narratives and systemic discrimination. See you next time on Ideas Without Borders. This podcast is run by the student members of the University of Waterloo's Engineers Without Borders chapter. The University of Waterloo is situated on the Haldeman Tract, land that was promised to the Six Nations of the Grand River and is the traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. We encourage you to take a moment to also consider and acknowledge the land from which you are listening.